these are my brothers, by the way. Oh, you're kidding. Well, yeah, it's what, the, that way we don't pay them. Garrett's oh. got the uh, family van. <laughs> where do they play? They In Western New York. Oh. Yeah, but they make a living because people pay there to they hear musicians. They sound like a good bar band. That's what's going on. Yeah. That's awesome. Hey, welcome to the show, uh, theirs and mine. Uh, it's the TMG interview, uh, talking movies with those who make them. Paul Preston here, along with Karen Volpe. Hello. I'm uh, very excited to be talking to one of those do-it-all guys. Need a hero, need a jerk, need a leading man, need a character guy. Look no further than the man who plays Howard Hamlin in Better Call Saul. He's appeared on other TV shows such as Big Love, oh, Desperate yeah. Housewives, 24, and Veronica Mars and films such as The Last Exorcism and the new movie we're going to go into at length. Available now on all VOD platforms. That's your iTunes, Amazon, YouTube, Google Play, Vudu, etc. Called Driver X. It's Patrick Fabian. Yay! Fantastic. You're, you're like a Muppet. That is an intro. Thank yeah. you, man. And that's condensed. Wow. You had 130 yeah. whatever credits. On I've, uh, I, well, I've been passed around town, as they like to say. So, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, we like where you landed. Yeah, me too. Uh, see, we'll Absolutely. get to Better Call Saul, too, uh, later in the sure. show. But let's start with uh, Driver X. Now, it's being billed. Oh, wait. We're going to start with Driver X? Yeah, I, yeah. i got to put on my official uniform that I brought. Oh, very And nice. uh, for anybody out there who remembers what this is on site. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that... Members only jacket. Is that yeah, members straight. only? Yeah, it is. That's right. We have we have one of those. I, we got bag. it for a costume for a my, play. Maybe I'll get it for the photo. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Rarely have I been in, in a movie uh, or anything where all of a sudden, literally, there's a moment where this is revealed and they punch in and they show the members only logo. <laughs> and if you're of a certain age, there's yeah. a ripple that goes through the audience. That's one sort of laughing, but it immediately reminds you, oh, I used to be young. Yeah. <laughs> Members only was cool. That was very cool. Yeah. My dad had one. It was great. And when he'd Did wear he really? it, yeah, he had like a light blue one. Wow, he seemed like almost too old. Like he I wouldn't know. have been young well, enough. He wanted to be cool. Trying to be right. young. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to be young in 1983. Right, yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> great. So yeah, that funny. is a moment. I remember even when we saw Driver X, when the Members Only jacket came out, yeah, the crowd was agog, to say the least. <laughs> now, this is what the Uber movie they're calling it. I saw that on, on the website even. They called it the Uber movie because yeah, it's kind it, of like it, the, the rideshare yeah. movie. So go ahead and just uh, tell us what it's about. Well, I mean, uh, they're calling it, you can't call it the Uber movie just because you don't want Uber to get involved if they you know, right. if, if they don't like the way it's being portrayed. So it's a rideshare movie. Basically, it is about a man who is uh, in uh, the record store business at exactly the wrong time in history. It goes belly up and he discovers he's, he's on the wrong side of 50. And he has to start to pay the mortgage now, and he's not sure what he can do. His wife has to go back to work. There's role reversal, and eventually he's got to get a job. So he takes to driving rideshare in Los Angeles at night to save his marriage and, uh, you know, pay the mortgage. And what he discovers is that he's on the wrong side of 50 driving in Los Angeles at night. <laughs> That's a really good point because I don't like to drive in Los no Angeles what, at night. No matter what I'm, age. I'm not at, driving other people. After 50. Yeah, yeah, no, no. At, yeah. at night is the, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's midnight. I'm supposed <laughs> to be asleep for four hours at this point. So. And, and that's where you're supposed to start. That's yeah. where the fares start getting good he wants for lifting over. That's when things go crazy, as a matter of yeah. fact. You know, the writer-director, uh, Henry Burial, this is based off his own experience, and I'm not speaking out of school, you know. His first film, about a decade ago, was this very micro-budgeted, like, I think it was like $3,500. They got a couple of thousand finishing, film, uh, f- uh, finishing uh, funds from somewhere else, and it made it to Sundance. Wow. And it was sort of a precursor. It's called? Uh, it called Somebody. 
And I think it was a, sort of a precursor to mumblecore in that sort of idea of the actors were improving, mm -hmm. and it was very loose with the camera work. And it got Henry a lot of notice, which was great. So you would assume, hey, my first film goes to Sundance. It's just a matter of time <laughs> until... And a matter of time kept going on. As we all know, being freelance artists, it always feels like it's happening to the other girl or the other guy. And, you know, why did so-and-so become so-and-so? But it's a crowded business doing freelance. And anytime you're a director or a writer or a producer or anything, it's a crapshoot. And so he found himself uh, in Leonard, the character that I play, in his position after, you know, 10 years. You know, he wasn't directing all the new episodes of Will and & Grace, and his big feature uh, career hadn't taken off financially the way he had hoped for. He'd been making films consistently, but they were all, you know, smaller films. So he ended up driving Uber, which, as he says, uh, probably would have crushed him in some respects because he found it to be weird to be a middle-aged man doing a job like this and all of a sudden feeling the rug pull out from underneath him. And he was like, what's going on? But being a screenwriter... He immediately was able to turn the tables and look at it as, because you know the dialogue that was coming out of the, the human traffic in his car <laughs> was amazing. Right. So he was, the producer Mark Stoloroff, who does No Budget Film School, and has been doing that for about 10 years, which is really how to make a film. And living by it. And living yeah, by it. You absolutely. See, all you have to do is see his apartment, and he's definitely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mark. That's awesome. Let's go online. There's a 24-hour camera. It <laughs> got, got is. But, you know, it, he he has insomnia, and Henry would be driving at night, and Henry and him have collaborated on four other films as well. So they have a relationship. And they had this big budgeted, uh, for them, like a million or $2 million horror film that had been sort of, uh, egging them along for like about a year and a half. It was the payday. It was the thing that was going to really be good. And then, of course, it blew up. So then Henry starts driving, and then he starts calling Mark at like 2 a.m. saying, you're not going to believe the ride I just had. And Mark's like, you know, after a couple of those calls, he said, I think this is our next movie. Mm -hmm. And as Henry said, you know, people would say stuff to him that's in the movie, like, you know, why do you do this? And he said if he wasn't writing a script, he, he would have gone crazy. Right. Because the, instead they would say these awful insulting sort of things to him. He'd be like, oh, man, that's great. And he'd write it down <laughs> as soon as they got out of the You know, it's all car. about perspective, isn't it? Yeah. Because wow. that is a line that stings when the guy says, you make a living doing this? Right. It's like, mm. ouch. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's all about uh, – it's – it's all about how are you going to have the the promise of the second act in America, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and bookstores have gone through this, record stores have gone through this, radio stations have gone through this. Everything has sort of been good. Newspapers, yeah, that's amazing when that happens. Magazines, yep. right? So all that stuff that we sort of grew up as cornerstone stuff on yep. has been taken away. And mm -hmm. you know, in the movie, uh, at one point, Leonard takes his record collection in. You know, he's going to sell it, and that's directly from what happened to me. Oh. And by the way, I That's wasn't brutal. alone. No, I was living over in Silver Lake. Uh, I've got a wife and I've got two young daughters. And in my mind, and this is like, I have loads of albums, but mostly I've got all these CDs as well, probably $20,000 worth of it. And it finally moved from my house into my garage in boxes. Mm -hmm. And I tried to make the mature decision, which was, it's in the garage already. My girls aren't going to go rifling through my jewel boxes. That's, an, that's a, it's an illusion. Right. So I'm going to do the mature thing, and I decided to get on the right side. and go, oh, I'm going to take it down to Amoeba in Los Angeles. And you know what? I'm going to get like $15,000. Sure, yeah. And that's going to be a good thing. And I'm going to buy something for my kids. It's going to be really, really great. And so I box all that up, and I take it down there. And as I take it down there, I swear to God this is true. 
as I'm walking in, and I've got a cart, and I'm starting <gasps> to pull this in, there's a guy who's in a van who's watching me do this, and he says, how many boxes do you have? And I said, I don't know, maybe like 20 or so, and he goes, I'll give you $800 for them right now without even looking what you got. Wow. Right, wow. Am I offended? Are you kidding me? I've got $15,000 worth of stuff in here. I march it all in. I give it to the guy just like in the movie. And I'm like, here it is. He goes, great. And I walk out and I go have lunch. And it's going to take a couple hours because I got really good stuff. You know, like like a pristine Def Leppard from 83. You know what I'm saying? Sweet. Pyromania. Sure, Pyromania. (laughs) You know, some Scorpions Worldwide Live. I'm a suburbs kid from Pennsylvania. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. That's two albums, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's twice the money. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden, I come back, and he literally is like, I'll give you like $600. And I'm like, <gasps> right. Oh. I'm like, what are you talking about, the $600? Gu- the and guy he, on the street will give me 800 Right. Oh, my God. But, but he knows that I'm not going to take him back out. No. And so he gives me a little bit more finally, and oh. he says, like in the movie, he says, dude, these are coasters. And I was oh. appalled. And as I left with the cash... And as I left with the cash, there, there was another guy, just like me, on the wrong side of 40, and he was coming in with his first boxes to bring in there, and I thought, oh, right, this is happening everywhere. Yeah. This is not unique to me. No. And Amoebas literally was like, well, we can move these on to old age homes and VA hospitals, because no one's buying them. And literally, yeah. about two weeks later, I'm at the farmer's market in Los Angeles, and they've got like a Genesis album and it's been melted and pressed into a potato chip bowl. And That's what you needed to do, figure out a way to make crafts. Right. Oh my God. So 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 well, all of the The yeah, good yeah. news is they're not in your garage. They're not in my garage, but the bad news is ask me what I did today. Bought a CD? I had to go to Amoeba because no. I was trying to find a CD that I want no. that I used to own. And no. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be ironic if I go back into <laughs> Amoeba and it's there and I'm buying back my oh. own CD. It was not there. Wait, you God. sold for 600 What's that? You sold he for did. $600. He did. Oh. He wasn't going to take it all back out. I'm sorry. I thought maybe you went, I will not stand for your low rates and took no. everything home. Oh, no. That's no. A you sold it. That's a different movie. You know how heavy that shit was? No way, man. <laughs> oh, wow. And the eight hundred dollar guy, he was gone. Oh, he was yeah. gone. He was gone. Oh. He was gone. But he was there because he knew. Yeah, he knew. So I mean, the movie touches on all what that feels like, and the, and the idea of like, uh, I like to say it's 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 the milk aisle thing. You're of a certain age, and you've got kids, and at five o'clock, you find you find yourself in a grocery store, and uh, you're getting milk because you got kids, and maybe some bread because you got to make sandwiches for school and all that stuff, and you're in there, and all of a sudden they're playing Slippery When Wet from Bon Jovi, and all of a sudden you go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this this is great. Yeah. This is fucking rocks. And then you mm-hmm. look to your left and your right. Like, what are these guys? What are these gray-haired guys? Oh no! You see a reflection. Oh, no. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. All of my music has been offloaded to classic rock. It's thirty years is the thing because it's I still so- think Chuck Berry's oldies because I thought that in the eighties, right? And he was from the fifties. Yeah. Now it's thirty yeah. years since then. The eighties oh, is the fifties, and classic rock is. <sighs> Peter Gabriel and uh, all and I can did, hope for is that's that all from Genesis. Eighties fashion and hair come back because that was my favorite era. <laughs> you like those shoulder pads? I like shoulder you? pads. Sure. I like big hair. Every girl did. Yeah, it was just a good time. And Miss Mash and Pretty in Pink. Let's do that again. Yeah, there's not, that. not enough Aquanet in the world these no, days. They probably can't make it because of the ozone <laughs> right. there. I did like the ownership of music, though. You know, oh, having no. it there. And I mean, I, I, I mean, I've always liked liner notes. 
kids' liner notes or what was written inside an album, <laughs> an album or a CD. You would look at the um, picture of like the uh, one of the albums of Queen with that crazy robot, and I remember just listening world, yeah. to it and staring yeah. at that. And I think there was really a, s- a single out. album that you could still open up because the artwork was so badass. Oh. Yeah. Um, but then I just felt like I had it. I have this, and you don't have this. Now you go online, everybody has everything. Yeah. You know? Everybody has everything, and yet, yeah. and, and the idea of going to a record store, like I was in Amoeba again today, and I was like, oh, there's a, there's a nostalgic, but there's a comfort. There's a comfort of going through and just trolling through the albums and looking at covers and like, what's this? What's going, you know, Leonard in the movie has this exact monologue where he says, I wanted, you know, people to be able to go through and discover new music. Yeah. And how do you discover new music? And, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's of that, of course they're going to discover music, they're going to f- discover it in a different way. They're going to discover it in their own way that they too may or may not feel nostalgic and it's me holding on to the yeah. way I know. Right. And so therefore it must be right. But in this case, I am. Is you the thing. are yes. right. You are. It's so much better. And then. there's just something else about the fact. I love. I have a prominent Italian nose, and I love smells. And there's smells involved with having the actual things. But with your computer, everything smells the same. Oh my gosh, the smell test. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Well, you know that smell of having albums. Oh, you can. Uh, you, it's different. All, all that cardboard. Yeah. All that stuff wafting up. The crack of the crease, the seam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that. But you yeah. don't get any of that anymore. Yeah, no. After the taping, I'll show you my cassettes. How exciting. Oh, Hang it on the wall behind the studio. God, I used, to, I used to buy singles. How about <laughs> oh, that? I have oh, some yeah. Of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, and the one phrase I think they use in the movie, if I'm not mistaken, is mature aged. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell? Ouch, again. I yeah. know. Well, I think everybody goes through this, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's a coming of middle age story, and every yeah. generation goes through that, where they go like, wait a second, but I thought, and the, they, you know, Leonard talks in the movie about not wanting to hand over the reins, because all these young people are in his car, and he's, he's, yeah. he, and he's just like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, I'm, I have something to offer, and it seems to have blown past him. Both, nobody, you know, cares. nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Nobody cares. And the sexual mores of the young girls and the young guys, yeah. it's, uh, it's shocking, right? Like it always is when the generation hands it over and changes. There's a, there's a line oh. from that in a little trailer clip I'll play here. So this okay. is from oh. uh, Driver X. Hi, I'm here for the online management position. What unique thing do you bring to the table? I bring a very deep knowledge and love of music. I don't want to pass them down to the next generation. How do you see music's impact on social media? <clears throat> Hard to say. I'm twice as old as everybody there. I don't know if I'd be a good fit. I need to talk to you. About what? We're out of money. Get a job. Any job. What brought you to Los Angeles? Dreams of happiness. What better place to do it than LA? I'm scared about the future. I'm scared about that too. You think this Driver X business is going to help? Forget it. So now, hopefully 15, 20 minutes into the show, you realize Driver X is not some race car movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way. Sorry. Yeah. yeah they'll about the trailer to fool you. It's better than that. And also, did you notice in the trailer, it really struck me, the music's great in yeah. this movie. Okay. I have driven for Lyft. I oh, did it yes. for about a year. Uh, it's been about a year and a half, but I did it last month for a couple of days because I'm kind of glad that it's just always there. Sure. I keep sending in my uh, paperwork to make sure that my inspection and license and all that are up to date on file with Lyft. So if like, hey, I need, oh God, what, what breaks your heart is like the first night Leonard does 
uh, Driver X in the film, he comes home and he's like, what'd you get? I think I had like 38 bucks or something yeah. like that. It's like, that is so true. Yeah. And they don't pay you a gas stipend and it makes you crazy because you'll work for two hours and you put it right back in your tank and you're at zero. Mm-hmm. How crazy. You know, and, and Henry wanted to make sure, Henry wanted to make sure that the film wasn't one of those it's a wild night in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, it is not. Because what he really wanted, to, he wanted to make a, a, a movie that was uh, true to, if an Uber driver or a rideshare driver saw this movie, they would walk away from it saying, yes, that's what it feels like. Right. That's, and the 38 and change is what Henry made on his first night. <gasps> yeah. So that comes directly from, from him. And, uh, and, and, you know, like he said, it's a, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing uh, that this exists right now. And he also wanted to make something that was more true to what was going on because he also feels, which I didn't even think about, you know, self-driving cars are going to come down. Mm-hmm. It's all a matter of like when. True. But at some point, this movie will look like um, a timepiece. <laughs> right. Oh, you mean people used to actually drive the car? You mean and people come pick you used up? to listen to records and CDs? Right. And, so the oh whole thing God. then becomes this, you know, meta, like, oh, I didn't even think about that. Uh, he goes, of course, of course. Okay, I mean, talk about meta. I got a Driver X soundtrack when I saw your screening in Santa Monica, and I use it in the car last <laughs> month when I drove people around. They didn't even know. That's awesome. That, that soundtrack was You awesome. were having your own moment. <laughs> That's brilliant. Because oh, it is great driving music. It's great music. driving oh, music. Oh, it's good. Lily Hayden, as a matter of fact, just won a Grammy with her other group, Opium Moon. I saw that on the awesome. Facebook page. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, good for her. Because that is that is cool music and moody and you know whatever he can kind of go to the track that fits the mood of the person who gets in your backseat. Sure, <laughs> you know it does, it does, and also you know it's tricky when you're doing an independent film in a low budget film, which this is. You know, we did a, a Kickstarter campaign for it as well, which was which was great. But uh, all in, I think the whole thing cost about one hundred thirty thousand dollars. Wow, which is amazing. No kidding. Yeah, That's yeah. Great. Well, you know, we had a great DP Daniel Line, and he shot on a Sony AS7, which really soaks up the light. So we we shot LA really great. But in terms of music, music's expensive. Right. You would think. Like, oh, I want an obscure song from a, a, a B-level group from 1982. Well, it's owned by, like, Warner Brothers. Everything's huh. owned by a big corporation. And they just have an, they have an assignation of, like, well, that costs this. Right. And you either pay it or you don't. And so we quickly abandoned the idea care. that we no. could use m- music from that time, uh, which in the end I think is liberating because we'd say that Leonard is a musophile. And then the music that Lily Hayden composed, and, and we had a bunch of other composers as well, um, the original music evokes that moment in time, but it doesn't distract from what we're talking about because mm-hmm. literally, uh, honestly, right, for instance, I, I use the, the Bon Jovi reference, right? So if One a Dead or Alive comes on, we all go, oh, and we right. start having our own <laughs> memories about yeah, it. Yeah, because we all And we start getting transported, mm-hmm. right? Can and, I tell you mine real quick? Yeah. They opened for Rat in the second concert I ever saw. They wow. opened for Rat. So you would be the there in the movie and no longer yeah, yeah. Right, he's yeah. there, right? <laughs> yeah. He's there in his two tight jeans I'm in Binghamton. Binghamton. He can't Oh, Binghamton. Yeah. Right. Oh. A very pretty crowd, went to I'm the, sure. Went to the city. <laughs> went to the big city to see the show. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. But that music costs a lot of money. Yeah. And there's no way we could actually have it. And so I'm glad you like the soundtrack. I do too. And I think it... It matches tonally. Uh, we lucked out with that because there's a lot of quiet in the film. There's a lot of pensive stuff, and you know, uh, spoiler alert: if uh, if you don't like this face, the movie is very long. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have it's to a, be. It's okay a lot of me. That. It's a lot of me. Yeah. There's no doubt, but there's a lot of me sort of driving. So and it, when you're driving, you can't do a long shot, really. No, you got to be in close because no, and we of course we, there. we we couldn't afford to have a rig, so no. I drove everything. Oh my god! And we had a camera mounted on the hood, or we'd have it mounted on the side, or the camera may be sitting in the the, the passenger seat or sitting behind me. So we, when we do a ride. 
we would get out and drive in LA and uh, the people would get in the back and then we'd basically cover it from like four different angles and we got really good at like shooting for 20 minutes, pulling over and they re-rigged the car, get back in, shoot for 20 minutes, get over, re-rig the car. You had some great supporting people in that back seat. There, uh, oh, yeah. there were really good actors back there. Yeah, well, we got to call a lot of our friends. Which, you oh, know, you perfect. mentioned the guy who said, they, can you make a living doing this? <laughs> that's, my, that's my Iqbal Theba impression. <laughs> Iqbal plays the principal on Glee, and I, I've worked oh. with him on, on, on the Screen Actors Guild Union and stuff like that. So I knew him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Max Gale, you know, who used yeah. to play Roger Hoetz from I Barty Miller. Him. I worked that's with right. him on a, on, a, on a movie called Underdog Kids. So Oscar Nunez is in there as well? Oscar oh, and yeah. I have been playing beach volleyball together for 20 years. That's how you make it in Hollywood. Hollywood yeah, people. man, that's well, beach that's, volleyball. It is who you know. It I mean, is. I don't think anyone would deny that. That's uh, that's how I know Henry. Yeah, they're like, how'd you meet? How'd you meet the director? When did they offer it to you? I'm like, well, I've been playing uh, volleyball with him for 15 yeah. years. So it's true. You meet everybody in the volleyball court <laughs> in Los Angeles. But let me give you some kudos for this because you've worked with Mark, the producer, before, right? Uh, you, you know, I only did um, uh, I did a cameo in him and Henry's uh, la- uh, two films ago, Pig. Okay, you were credited together, so I didn't yeah. know if it was a big role or what. But either way, we went to the screening of. Of Driver X in Santa Monica, and it was billed as you know Ray Seahorn was going to be there from Better Call Saul, and Michael Mando was going to do trivia from Better Call Saul. But yeah. everyone's going to see the movie, talk about the movie, talk about Better Call Saul, call it a night. You're there early. If you're looking at the mic situation, yeah. you're talking to the staff, you're like roping off seats. You some people are there early because you're huge fans. You go and you talk to them. I'm like this guy is like the real deal. Yeah, because I mean that you know some TV star could just show up late, talk blah blah, and then leave. But you're invested in it, and I appreciated that. Well, thanks. I, I, it, you can make the argument that I'm also so broken, I need everybody's approval. <laughs> it goes right down to the person's. <laughs> well, you got it tonight, yeah. so we're well. Both of those yeah. are very, very good. They're just <laughs> but, different but takes on different the same takes thing. Same thing. But I will That's say, I, I will say this. You know, people are like. Uh, you know, do you mind working on low budget? And why would you do this? And it's that it's that weird misperception of what the business is of working, mm-hmm. and as a working actor. And I'm I, look, I'm very successful. I've, I've worked nonstop, passed around town. I've mm-hmm. done you know show after show after show after show. But I haven't been a series regular up until recently. And I've been working for twenty years, job to job to job. Yep. I didn't become Brad Pitt. We all started off wanting to become Brad Pitt and George Clooney, but those roles were taken rather effectively by those gentlemen. <laughs> and the rest of us, and when I say the rest of us, the rest of the guys who I would see in the audition room, uh, you know, time would pass and you'd forget. And then all of a sudden you look around, you've been working for 20 years, and you're yeah. like, oh, I'm already lucky enough that I've been working for 20 years. So I get a chance to be uh, a movie star. Yeah. I get the chance to be in the movie star, just like when I was a kid and I went to the Capitol City Mall in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, cinemas one, two, three, four, five, six. Ooh, you had six. <laughs> oh, yeah. We I only know, had four. Yeah. And you, I would go there, and in that <clears throat> metal frame, there would be a poster, and you'd mm-hmm. see it, and then you'd walk into the theater, and then you'd watch somebody on the big screen. Yeah. And, I had about 200 movie posters in those boxes. Right, you're right. And so, I got a garage. <laughs> and so being, being in uh, Driver X is, is the same thing. You know, I went. I went to Santa Monica, and I went to New York. I we, we played uh, the uh, the IFC Theater on Sixth oh, Avenue, great. and I go there, and in the metal frame, there's a poster of me, and then right. I sit down, and there's a full house, and it goes dark, and there's a movie, and I come walking across yeah. the screen, and I'm sitting there 
pinching myself. So this goes to your point of like being there to like help set up and do all that stuff. One, it's an independent film. So you want a cheese plate after the show, you better bring it, you know? Exactly. And two, I don't know when this moment in time comes around again. I got lucky. I got lucky to be in a film. I got to, it didn't get dumped on Netflix immediately. People don't have to watch on their couch, although you can watch it on your couch now. I, we, en- we encourage that at we this do. point. On Vudu and iTunes. Yeah. But, you know, the idea of like, oh, we made a movie and it's actually playing in a movie theater just like a movie does. Oh, it's the real thing. Oh, it's great. And I get to be the lead of it. And, and this comes to the business aspect of it. You know, I'm... Uh, I'm I'm over 50 and I've worked really well, but no one, CAA isn't going to come calling to turn me into a movie star at this point. Although if anybody from CAA is yeah. out there that would like to do that, I'm totally big available. Fans, big That's fans of the movie, yeah, guys. I love, it, it, it. I love CAA. Yeah, yeah. It all comes down to, I, I have a friend, we, we talk about this too, because there's so many actors out there and, and producers and directors and editors who are doing their art because they love it and they can't not do it. And so then you start to tell yourself, all right, what would the little 11-year-old me think if I were to tell them, hey, if you were to go to little 11-year-old Patrick and go, I, here's my movie poster, and you can go to a theater and see this. That's really what it comes down to. I saw The Man That's Who Would Be King. Amazing. And, uh, you know, I saw that on the big screen, and I was like, wow, what's going on here? I want to be <laughs> all of these men. And it's a sausage fest. You know, but but it's, it's, it's John Huston-directed Rudyard Kipling story with Michael Caine, Sean Connery, and uh, Christopher Plummer. And, uh, and I was transported. Yeah. 15, 20 years later, I find myself in a movie that has never been released. Um, and Michael Caine is number one on the call sheet. I'm like number 146. And we are shooting in downtown Los Angeles next to MacArthur Park. We're doing a big scene. Romstein has just played on the <laughs> stage. I don't know why they're in the movie, but they were. And uh, Michael Caine is exiting. I'm sitting with 10 other people at a table, and he says one line. We sort of react, and he exits. They do it three times, and the director says, that's good, Michael, you can go. And he says, I hear him clear as day. He goes, is the scene over? And he says, well, no, we're, we're going to punch him for some coverage for these single lines here, but you're, you should go. And he goes, no, 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 it's all right. I'll, I'll wait till the scene's over. And he said it with a way that shut the director up or whoever was telling him that. I don't know if it was the director or not. And so Michael stayed. Michael Caine then stayed for the next hour and a half at the end of the day so he could say his line and deliver his line off camera so seven of us at this table could get our cues and have a reaction to Michael Caine, as opposed to somebody else reading a thing. We wrap the day, we go out, it's nighttime, his trailer is next to mine. And I see his name on the thing and I think, oh, am I ever gonna, so I go up and I knock on the door and he goes, one moment. And then he comes out and he opens the door and he sees me. And he he immediately susses out what this moment is because I look, you know, my eyes are saucers. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, uh," and he goes, yes. I said, I, 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 I saw the man who wanted to be king, and um, I, it made me want to be an actor. He goes, oh, a lovely film, wasn't it? I had such a good time doing it. I'm so glad you liked it. Did you have fun in there? And I said, oh, yes, I, I had a great time in there. He goes, well, good. You seem to be fairly good looking, and you have a job right now. Best of luck to you. <laughs> and shook my hand, dismissed me, and shut the door. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, oh, well. I, right. So, you know, that that was fantastic, you know. That's Awesome. Yeah. And I, it, you have to <laughs> lean into that squirrely stuff. Right. I'm like, uh, this is fantastic. And may I behave like him. And by the way, yeah. the next time it came around with someone would release me, 
I was like, is the scene over? And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, should, I should call my friend Michael Caine and let him know I just did the same thing he did, right? <laughs> you're working with Ray and you're like, um, Mike, is guess the what? scene over? Yeah. Do I need to stay and help her? I will. No problem. Let me tell you a little story about why I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Now that kind of leads us into, you said you saw the Oscars last night. I did. And so I was inspired a little bit by Lady Gaga's speech, the idea that you have to work hard and, and it's not a fluke and the people there are because they chose to be there and they choose to – I don't think she's the one that – did she say keep getting up? Yeah, and keep trying. Yeah. It was really the Rocky Balboa speech. <laughs> yeah. Rocky gives that same speech. Yeah. It's not how much you get knocked down, but how much you get, get up. Yeah. 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 Keep fighting. Yeah. I think that's how it sounded when she said it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, more. she had a little more cleavage on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although, actually, maybe not. I'd have to rewatch <laughs> yeah. Rocky. Yeah. He was pretty fond of his chest <laughs> yeah. as well. So. <laughs> but how did you feel about the Oscars coming out of seeing them? Um, you know, like any of those things, because I'm in the industry – uh, everything you I'll withhold comment. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah. No, but it's that idea of like, you know, it's aspirational. It's silly. It means nothing. It means everything. It, I reflect yeah. everything right back on me. Yeah. Why am I not Bradley Cooper? Why am I not Lady Gaga? And yet... Like, I think I, you could be Lady Gaga. I might be able to. Yeah. But but you see such talent up there and you see you see the stakes are high and, and they should be because the stuff that I saw... Like Olivia Coleman is, is extraordinary in the favor, and of course she deserves to yes. get that. But this is show business. Glenn Close is an, a phenomenal actress. Yes. She's 71 years old. Yes. She's been nominated seven times, and yeah. all the ink spilled about saying, well, it's your time. And yeah. in the end, if you're nominated for something, you still only have a 20% chance of winning. Even if you're Glenn Close. Even if you're Glenn Damn. Close. Them's and just so, numbers. Yep, so, oh. so she sits there, and the camera's on her, and they don't call her name. And I see her face sort of break into a smile of like, mm-hmm. And I thought, right, because she knows. She knows. How, many, how many parts did Meryl Streep get along the way that she thought she was going to get? Or something <laughs> like that. She yeah. must have somebody that she's always been like, oh, and it goes to her, and it goes to her. But has her, it stopped her, her from giving good work? Has no. it stopped her from sticking around with the wife, which took, I, I think, 14 years to make? Yeah, she said that. That was in production a long time. So you hear that and you go, okay, so what What makes her get up and go to work? And let's 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 take money and I get my picture taken out of it. Uh, oh, because she's an actress. Right. Because she likes to go to work. Why does Lady Gaga get to do what she does? I think on a base level, because she likes to work. Why did Bradley Cooper decide he's going to direct instead of just being handsome and make Robert Redford money the rest of his life? Because he wants to work and he wants to expand. Because in the end, the playground that we're in, and metaphorically it's Los Angeles, but it's wherever you are doing your art, New York, yep. you know, Schenectady, <laughs> San Francisco, uh, Houston, uh, we get up to play because there's something extraordinary about that. And sometimes all the things, all the doorways open. Right. Sometimes it all is easy and great and we're doing something good and we're all good together and it's shot well and people receive it and they like it and we go, great. More often than not, it does not make you millions of dollars or financially change your mm -hmm. life, but it's, a, it's, it's the mercury. It's holding mercury in your hands and it was great for a moment and it goes. And that is, for me the magic right. and if you can grab that magic it's worth it's worth getting a commercial call on a Friday afternoon in and you Santa have to, Monica and you have to go to Abikini oh. <laughs> right oh. I don't go to the doctor yeah. if it's a 3 o'clock oh. call right. on a Friday and it's a 4 o'clock call oh, and you know Santa it's going to be there until 7 and you go like mm. and, and, and as, you know, I've, as I've gotten older uh, the idea of like is this 
um, until the jobs are coming your way when they are offering you the job right. or they're going to create that project around you, mm-hmm. which we all hope for. And we're living in Malibu next to Owen Wilson, and we just swap scripts over our balcony mm-hmm. or our butlers do. Well, of course, that helps. <laughs> and by the way, I just assume he lives in Malibu. For all well, I, I know, know, he yeah, lives in downtown. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but you know what? And, and also, maybe he's like, I don't get sent enough stuff. But, <laughs> but until that happens, in my mind, it's like, well, so what do you – what are the requirements for the job today? Not what you think about those requirements, what not what they? you think whether you should. And I think this phrase always gets in my way because it's always true. Don't you know who I think I am? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we think you're really good. And maybe we saw your show and maybe we saw your movie or maybe we just saw the reviews or maybe I just thought of you for no particular reason after mm-hmm. six years. All I know is that we've called you in for an audition. So the requirement for getting this job today, whether you think you should be handed it or not, is to put on your acting suit and go to Abbott Kinney at four o'clock in the afternoon. And if you don't want the job, that's fine. That's fine, you don't have to do that. But if you're going to put on your acting suit and drive to Abbott Kinney on a Friday at four, then do it with some joy. Yeah. And do it with the sense of possibility because most people will start to put on that cloak of, yeah. I can't believe I have to do this, or mm-hmm. I'm mad, mm-hmm. or I'm angry. And even the stupidest of producers in the world who are sitting across the desk, who are trying to do their project to the best of their ability, can smell somebody's contempt when they walk in the room. And I know this from Driver X, not that people were contemptible, but after all these years of, um, am I still talking? I am. Yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> and we still have a little bit of tape. Just okay, yeah. Uh, after all these tape. years of, of working. <laughs> so members only of you. <laughs> it's on the six hour record, yeah, right? Yeah. Good. The reels are, you see we, the reels going. We chose six over four. Oh God, so it's a higher quality, right? <laughs> but I, I, got to, I was on the other side when we auditioned uh, The Wives. Uh, for uh, uh, I give her a X. shout out. She was great, Tanya. Tanya Clark. Clark. Tanya That's Clark, right. who was on Banshee most recently, and a bunch of other stuff. And I've been around for a long time. I didn't know Tanya. I had friends come in who I knew, some who had played my wife before, and I had chemistry with. And then there was a whole bunch of other people that came in. But I was sitting on the other side. You know, I had the job. I was going to do a chemistry read or whatever. And I realized in all this time, I had never sat in the other side. <gasps> that and must have been so eye-opening. If you have a chance to go sit on the other side of an audition, actors absolutely do that. Because what I found was human nature, all the stuff that I've been doing as well. People who walk in and telegraph immediately that they're not interested in getting the job. Oh. People who come in who are wired and crazy and not focused about their work. And and then people who came in and I had a great time with, we had great reads with, I was like, fantastic, that's probably gonna be what it's gonna be, right? And then Tanya Clark, a lady who I had not seen or worked with before, comes in and does this thing, creates this magic out of nowhere, and she sets the bar like that immediately. Mm-hmm. and. I felt badly for the, the next lady who came in, who was a perfectly fine actress. Right. But if she wasn't this, mm-hmm. and you knew that within seconds, <clears throat> it was over. And it was very interesting to sit there. We all decided, Henry and Mark and I were like, oh, she's it. And no one came close after that. And for whatever that it was, was it the three of us at that moment after watching a couple of auditions? Did she weave this or that? Or I, I, I don't know. All I know is that and this is going back to like your job. I would love my job to be Brad Pitt. It's not. My right. job is to find parking and change clothes in the car. So if that sounds glamorous <laughs> to you, then come on out and be an actor. But that's oh, what I, that's true. And your job and the thing that you get is that five minutes. 
And for that five minutes, you actually get to put on a play. Right. So when I drive to Abbott Kinney, instead of having a stick up my ass about it, <laughs> how about I get memorized, I yeah. get cold on the material, I get as much information as I can, I stack the deck in my favor as much as I can because it's an impossible thing to get a job, mm-hmm. stack the deck and go in with some joy and some magic and some, I don't know, go in and show them how you build a car. <laughs> and maybe it's the car they're looking for. Right. Maybe it's the car they want to buy. Maybe it's not, but it's not your business what's going on on the other side of the table. So you go in and you have five minutes to like show them, I know how to act. Given these circumstances with the script you gave me, this is what I think. Mm -hmm. This is how I conjure up stuff. And maybe it works for this particular job. But more importantly, you've got an actor, uh, you've got a director, uh, a producer, and a casting director who are witnessing whether somebody can work or not, whether or not they have the wherewithal to stack the deck in their favor and show me some magic. This particular magic may not work for this particular project. That has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the hallways opening in your favor. All right, let me ask you this, because I believe everything you're saying. Did you notice a difference when you auditioned for Better Call Saul? Because clearly we know how that turned out. Did uh, you feel it or did you just kind of get the stick out of your butt, do the best you could and go at home? I've gotten hired for jobs I had no business getting hired for. Um, jobs <laughs> that I absolutely, yeah. uh, you know, let's cash that check, <sighs> never hear anything. No. Um, no. Uh, can, I, can I tell a quick story? Uh, yes. Yeah, it's not, it's, of course. It's not, it's not quick. Um, you came all the way case, here and yeah. parked. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if we're further away than Abbott Kinney or not, but uh, it, tell the story. It's good. <laughs> Fair enough. No, you know what? Um, uh, I, I wake up one morning and I realize the phone's not ringing the way it used to. Yeah. Just because I hit an age bracket where all of a sudden, you know, you're 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 not the leads of stuff or whatever. All of a sudden, it dawned on me that I had chosen to be a freelance artist at the same time I decided to have two children and a mortgage. Ooh, you're a brave man. Right. So I'm like, oh, what what what's going on? And then my uh, I get a call and I have an audition for a Dog with a Blog. It used to be on ABC Family. I heard it, of that. It's where the dog, I think, yeah. is number one on the call sheet. And um, <laughs> But my friends, uh, Reagan Burns, he was the dad. And oh. uh, another great oh, yeah. uh, actress, she was the mom. And But at first, I'm like, dog with a blog? Wait, I thought I was supposed to be Brad Pitt. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 right. And so. Uh, is Notions 14? Right. No. So, right. So I get, so I, I, so I have to get over myself because I'm like, oh, do they pay American money? Well, then good. That would help. My, my landlord would like that. So. And then I think, oh, my kids will like it. So I turn, oh, yeah. I turn my ego around and I go down to the audition and I, I go into the room, I put my acting suit on and I show up and, and, and there's 20 of me. Yeah. Some of those guys uh, in the room have had shows of their own. Some of them have Emmys. And I'm like, oh, what? And all of a sudden I get cold. And I'm like, oh, oh, right, that's the business you chose. Oh. We're all, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. So then I go in, and the producers uh, were not, you know, they were not impressed with me coming in with my head shot like an old man. I had an eight by ten. <laughs> so it was hard to know when to stop bringing mine. Theater only. I'd, I'd hide yeah. it in oh, my, my purse. Theater only. And then I figured oh, it out. You didn't God. have a purse. And so yeah. I walk in. I hand it to them. They're yeah. like, "What is this?" They have their phones and their hats oh. on backwards. I was like, "Oh my oh. god!" Yeah. And I think her name is Elena Goldstein. I could be wrong. All I know for sure is that I love her so much because she was dressed. She was dressed. She was having an audition. She was dressed in a, a beautiful dress, and I think she had a hat on. And she looked at me, and she said, without any irony, she goes, all right, Patrick, when you're talking to the camera, you'll be talking to this. And she points to the camera as if I'd never seen it. And then she says, and when you're talking to the dog, you'll be talking to me. And I realized all of a sudden, well, Elena showed up 
to have a thing, and she's not commenting on the material, and then, you know, why should I? And, right. and what am I? All right, so I started doing my dance. Well, I do my dance, and I get a laugh. Worst thing in the world. So now I'm like, oh, now I'm really going to. And the audition goes great. <laughs> oh, the audition goes great. Okay, good. And I'm like, fantastic. And I walk out of the room. It goes so great that the other guys who can hear me through those thin walls basically are like, screw you, man. <laughs> and so I'm like, this is great. So I'm driving home. I call my manager. I'm like, hey, put a pin in me on this. I think I'm going to get this. And sure enough, by 5 o'clock, they put a pin in me. And I'm great. like, that's great. I'm great. And I don't hear anything for about three or four days. Yeah. And I do what you're never supposed to do. Never supposed to do. They have your number. They know where you are. So I call my manager. No. And I'm like, hey, what happened to that pin on me? Yeah. And, and dog with the blog. And uh, he goes, oh, uh, oh, I'll call about that. Clearly, he has forgotten about He's, it. Wow. I, I, I have nothing going on, so that's all I'm thinking about. <laughs> and he calls back in two minutes, and he goes, oh, they, uh, they offered it to a name your name. A name your name. And I, uh. I was like, oh, 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 that's the business I'm in. Yeah. Brad Pitt. Brad, <laughs> Brad Pitt, especially a star on ABC Famous Dog with a Blog. And, 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 and of course, my ego felt wounded and all those things that happened because I haven't figured that out yet, right? Mm-hmm. I'm still a big child with my heart wide open. And then three weeks later, I get an audition for Better Call Saul. And, uh, and um, oh, this sorry, another story, I'm putting a story. I'd never seen Breaking Bad. I'm sorry, I saw the pilot of Breaking Bad. It was oh. because my wife was nine months pregnant with her first child, and we watched the pilot, and my wife turned to me, and she goes, yeah, I'm not on board with this. Oh. And she was right, so we didn't oh. watch that. And then we had a second kid, and I can talk all about Clifford the Big Red Dog for you, and super why. <laughs> but you can't talk about but, but I hadn't Breaking seen Breaking Bad. Bad. I, like, literally, as it went into its Emmy winnings, third and fourth, fifth wow. seasons, the billboards, all that stuff, I sort of vaguely saw it, and I saw Brian Cranston and yeah. all that stuff, but I... I it was not. I had not watched it. We didn't watch till it was over. The next to last season because yeah. we—that's the only season we were waiting for. People right. started to we get binged, up. and then we waited. Well, we can talk that. about them winning the, the Netflix sweepstakes. That's when binging started, and after uh-huh. season three, it almost didn't make it out of the gates. Wow! So, wow. Uh, so I get this thing for Better Call Saul, and I recognize this is a big thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, the sides they gave me were basically three pages. It was three pages of uh, sides with a a two line character description. No script, no nothing. Huh. And I read, yes, huh. So I read that. <laughs> interesting. I, yes, interesting. So I come down oh. to my wife just after not being a namey enough name on Dog with a Blog. Yeah. And I go, I go, how am I, I said, how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do this? How am I supposed to audition for this? Oh. This is like giving me a dart and putting me on a merry-go-round with a, with, with a target 50 yards away. And so yeah. I'm trying to have a great husband and wife bitch. And she just goes, well, isn't that great? You can just make up whatever you want. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Uh, yeah, now you can do whatever you want. So, so in the oh. end, I'm like, and this, and this goes to the nuts and bolts of, of uh, I, my, I'm a working actor because I think like this. They're clearly going to give this to somebody. They're going to give this to somebody who is a name. They're going to get a movie. A star. Name name. They're going to name me name. Yes. For this. They're going to get a movie star for this. Yeah. You know, this now this is Brian. This is this is a uh, Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould. Yeah. All right. All right. This but, has pedigree behind it. Yeah. But the, the casting directors, Sharon Bialy and Sherry Thomas, I hadn't seen in a while. Probably hadn't seen about four or five years because that just happens. You mm-hmm. you get cycled through and then you become sort of the old shirt and then they remind you know they they, they see you again. They also were casting The Walking Dead. Which was in, I think it's third or fourth season. So I'm like, oh, well, that's good. Yeah, there's lots I'm going, of parts there. I'm going for this Saul thing. Yeah. But maybe I'll just get um, like a three episode arc on The Walking Dead and mm-hmm. a zombie will eat me. Oh, totally. Cool. I got, <laughs> That'd be awesome. So I go in for exactly that. And I go yeah. in and I see Sherry Thomas. It's her and uh, a tripod. And I, uh, I got to talk <laughs> with her and we we're having a good time. And, uh, and she says to me, <laughs> she says to me, uh, these guys uh, like it real. They, they, they like it real. So, uh, 
That's really the only note. And I'm like, great. So I I do my lines immediately through the back of the camera, through the back of the wall, to the back of the imaginary stadium that I think I'm acting in. Oh, I see. Very theatrical. Punching out. (laughs) Well, Shakespearean. I'll never forget. Her her eyes are a little big, and she goes, well, we got that. (laughs) And she goes, they like it real. They like it real. And, you know, after 27 years, my reptile actor brain can actually hear the casting director has given you the same note. You have not taken it. Yeah. Whatever you were doing, abandon it and do something different. Just show her you can listen. Uh, right? <laughs> if just, nothing else, if take nothing her else, note. Right? Just take her note. <laughs> so I, I, I release it all and I, I do it. And... Um, and then I walk out of there and I, I drive home convincing myself that that might be good enough for a two-episode arc and get eaten by a zombie, right? You know, that might, that might work. And then three weeks later, I get a call and says, Vince Gilligan saw your tape. They want to test you. And then two days later, I go and I test. And then uh, five, four days later, I get the call saying you've, you've booked the part. You're t- you didn't get called back. You just went right to test? Went right to test. Oh, my God. Right. So, but what? I guess the point of that enormous story, if anybody is still listening. <laughs> I am amazed. Is, is this. I was amazed, too. I didn't become a better actor between not getting dog with the blog and getting better call Saul. But for both instances, I stacked the deck in my favor and did as much homework as I could to go in and show them I, I thought this was what the magic was. It turned out I wasn't the answer for the guest star on dog with the blog. No, that's which is fine. Fine. But it turned <laughs> in out in retrospect. Yeah. Yes. Right, right. But it turned out I was the answer for whatever reason for this. Wow. And so I go, that's for me, that's a four-week spin, and that's what it's like to be an actor, as far as I'm concerned. And you're right. You didn't go study anymore. You didn't go and take some sort of crazy workshop. Mm-mm. And yet, wow. and yet I get this life-changing job. And it's life-changing only in that the, I think that the perception, first in many ways, it, it absolutely is, because the people I get to work with are fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I feel like the scripts are like actor-proof. They're so well I was just well going to say, you get some really great oh, scripts. They so give you're, me such beautiful yeah. things, such beautiful clothes, and such great, great partners to play with. Bob yeah. Odenkirk oh, and Ray Seahorn. Oh, the clothes, you're right. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I get to have that, and it's fantastic. And it's so much fun. You get to be, and you know how, like, in high school there are the cool kids and then there's everybody else this show is the cool kids like you can do no wrong it almost seems like a cool gang oh, and you get fun. to be in that cool gang well I get, I get it from a lot of quarters I get it like uh, you know I, I get it from like waiters and waitresses and I get it from guys in parking garages who just stop and go hey love the show when it's coming back right it's sort of like a real street level thing which yeah. I really like and, and you know obviously we've been nominated for Emmys and I've gotten to go all that all those shows and stuff like that which has been really really fun it's complete unicorns and icing and and, Isn't and that interesting I love the fact that you are probably one of the most successful people out there right now at this level. And you're still going, I'm amazed to go to the award shows. Well, how about it's, this? It's thrilling. Uh, thrilling. Last summer, Karen and I were second row, Hall H, Comic-Con, your first time uh, there. Oh, yeah, or, we saw you. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd never been to Comic-Con. And so, so they, cool. they launched season four down there. So yeah. I, had, mm-hmm. I did not know what to expect. <clears throat> and it was, it, was, it was billed. It was right. It was crazy. It Hall was H, crazy. big deal. If you haven't um, been yeah. before, I mean, I'm sure that they told you, but First like, of all, Marvel, like, Star Wars, da da da. If you make it in there, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's eight thousand people. Uh, yeah. And I Great. want you to know that I, well, I love Bob Odenkirk too. So let's and Ray Seahorn. But I sat next to for hours because here's the thing: 
you have to go early and then you sit through a bunch of other panels that and you, you didn't keep... want to get to it. No. Yeah. Oh my God. I Marvel, saw anime video games. Oh my anime. Lord, help me. I was just sitting there like, kill me now. But we kept moving down, moving down. And then finally we got in a second row, a little off left. And I was sitting there and I was like, this is it. This is great. I could see everybody. And then the lady next to me, I started to realize why the seat was empty. She was so stinky. Oh, no. She was super, super stinky. Oh, no. So, and those are the chairs with the sides uh, that clamp it just so you oh, can't move your chair. No. So I sat next to the stinky lady for a couple of hours just smelling my own hair. And that kind of got me through. And then eventually a couple <laughs> a couple of chairs opened up. And what I did is I moved left and left it open again. And then a nice lady came who smelled lovely. Oh, So by the time you, nice I saw lady, you. You were okay again. Yeah. But I like the trick of smelling your own hair. Which oh, God, you, you have to. Guys and girls, make sure you condition yourself with something nice smelling. <laughs> in when case you, go you to have Comic-Con. to use that. Oh. Yeah. yeah. But that was really cool. You guys were great. And it was really fun. I think, um, who else was there? Uh, the whole gang. The whole yeah, gang, no, right? So Carlo, Jonathan Banks. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, Jonathan was there. He was represented by... Something yeah, like we like had a bobblehead. Bobble bobblehead, yeah, from Royal Bobbleheads. <laughs> Go to them. Yes, absolutely. No, that was thrilling, and it was a. It was great to like meet the fans, and you know the support has been so phenomenal, both like uh, on the web and in real life. And uh, and you're and you're right. Like you know, we got to go to the Emmys, and and, and another reminder. You know. We go to the Emmys that first year we're nominated, in, and I was like, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Like mm-hmm. we go, we go to that carpet, and and I'm seeing all my heroes. I get to say, yeah. I get to see Mandy Patinkin, who's walking down because, oh. of course, he's on Homeland and he's been he's Mandy Patinkin, and he's walking. And I thought, oh, and I I step out. And I said, "Hi, I'm sorry, excuse me." And he goes, "Oh, I love your show." Oh my god! And I'm like, "Oh my god! What? Oh my god! Wait, because I'm on TV too." <laughs> Holy shit! On TV. <laughs> but, but what I wanted to tell him, I said, "I'm sorry, I don't mean." I said, I, "I just have to tell you, the first Broadway show I ever saw was Evita. I took a oh. bus from Cedar Cliff High School and we went to New York City. And I didn't even realize that you had to go under the river. I didn't even realize Manhattan was an island. That's how stupid I was. And I saw. Well, Evita. we were from that part of the world. I said, and the curtain goes up, and then you and Patty Lapone put on this thing. I said, I had no idea what it was about, but when it ended, I was like, I want to do that. I have no and idea. He he, like just looked at me. and He goes, "That's so sweet, thank you." And of course, then he's like, "God, why is this guy talking about you?" I gotta get, away from this get guy. Yeah. yeah, this guy's crazy. Yeah, they're like, "Oh, stay away from the guy." It's better call. Saul. I gotta go he's, win yeah. an award. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so cool! But I, got, but I got to do that. I was so yeah. thrilled. And you know, and then we uh, and then we sit there and we watch. And I was like, "Wow, this is amazing. It's really great." They put the logo up on the screen when we get, you know. When we don't win uh, best show, congratulations! Yeah, thanks. I don't care. I was like, I'm there. It's really exciting. Oh, it was yeah. really exciting. The one thing we did see before oh, yes. Better Call Saul, I believe, was the Breaking Bad ten year anniversary. That was cool. That too. Was oh, great right. Too. Yeah. Just watching the montage of clips, you're like, oh, that's right. That show was amazing. Yeah, like you kind of. Did forget. you ever get to see Breaking Bad? Oh, as soon as I got, as soon as I got the job, <laughs> exactly. I watched the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I would yeah. think it help. Yeah, no, I watched the whole thing, and then the very first day, I get to a table read uh, in Albuquerque, and uh, it's the first time I meet Jonathan Banks, and I, I walk cool. up to him, I'm like. They shot Mike. And he goes, I know. <laughs> that was good. Worst day of my life. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a great impersonation. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and then, yeah. and then I joined the ride. And the ride has been so much fun. And I can't believe we got picked up for season five. And, you know, uh, you know, at this point. You better have because I want to. You know, we have to know what happened. Yeah, I, I, think, I think at this point, obviously, they're going to, uh, you know, the point is to, to link up to the beginning of the mothership. Wow. Well, it is doing an amazing thing because yeah. what I couldn't wait for every Breaking Bad episode was, what's Saul doing? Oh, my God, I it's so funny. Saul. It's so right. interesting. And now that Jimmy's becoming Saul, I'm like, don't. Oh. <laughs> I know. I don't want 
happened to become Zal? Well, it's sort of the it's a great move. It's a great ma- mastered move yeah. by it's a, Vince. It's, it's and, a genius Peter, of the yeah. show. Absolutely. You know, they, uh, they they're showing us another sort of tangled web of you know humanity and like and how people slowly piece by piece change and 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 because people loved Breaking Bad so much, we got that benefit. At first, it was double edged sword. Like, what are you doing? But yeah, but because yeah, Vince that. and Peter were in charge, and Jen Hutchinson and Tom Schnauz, such great writers, you know, and uh, they were able to concoct something that was in the same closet of Breaking Bad, but it's a different shirt and it's in a different area. And oh, that's that, such a great way to put that. Yeah, because you're comfortable yeah. with it, and you're like, oh, I'm still, I'm still in, back in the world yeah. I want to be in. But it's, it's definitely totally a different show. It's yeah. shot differently, and it's got a different color palette what as would, well. What would you say the genre is for Breaking Bad? Boy, especially that 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 last season sticks in my brain so hard. It feels like high opera, right? I mean, it's it's such a, an intense. I mean, the pace of the show of Breaking Bad was so rapid. I the mean, stakes are so high. Everything, everything is important. Yeah. Everything, and I think everything is important with Saul as well. But the pace is decidedly more so laconic. Just, I, and so that that is part of the tilt in the in the shift in tone. Which is interesting, though, because Saul's character is so loving and wonderful with those old people and so charming and comedic with them. Yeah. I love, like, when he gets the lady her shoes and the but mall and all that. That's adorable. You love, you know, you love when, it's, when a Better Call Saul episode opens and he's, like, making cookies. You're like, oh, God, what is he up to? I right. love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you find out he's yeah. wooing the old ladies. I love that. But, uh, yeah, that's been the work, I think, for Breaking Bad fans is to shift tone into, into Better Call Saul. And clearly, they've done it. We're on season five. Yeah, so. and you know, in this last season, and if you haven't, that's what I'm telling you to do. No, join us. Join us if you haven't right, seen it, because so. I don't get why anyone who has oh, I haven't seen Better Call Saul. You loved Breaking Bad. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think people like they they didn't want it to be tarnished, and uh, you know, and there are people out there who are like, meh. Uh, I'm not sure why, because it is it, it's it's a sister show. And yeah. it's, it's finally crafted I mean, I, I as well. I call it a drama, but there's still a scene in the middle of one of the episodes from last season where the Salamanca brothers have to go in and just clean out this den oh. of hoods. Yeah, well, that, I, actually, that was pretty dramatic, I would say that. that was, but that's the greatest scene <laughs> in the world because there's just an explosion in the middle of it and not just out there watching just like, what? An explosion? Like, like how a did huge that ball happen? of fire yeah. comes out. They're going to yeah. go in and shoot up the place. There's a huge explosion. <laughs> I mean, it's just well, the greatest. Let me... And then the next scene yeah. is all of a sudden like Kim and Jimmy in the bathroom brushing their teeth. I yeah. love so, when they brush their so teeth. So that together. kind of juxtaposition yeah. is that weird thing where you're like, oh, you know, I said, I said to uh, Jonathan Banks, uh, I guess after season two, where I was like, you know, man, I, I really want to have a scene with you. He's like, no, you don't, Patrick. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you know what I've seen with me. And That's I was like, oh, right. It's oh, probably yeah. bad if well, you're alone with I watch him. the show just like the fans yeah. on, on Monday nights at 10 o'clock on AMC, coming this later summer. Um, and uh, Are you shooting right now? Uh, we're going back uh, in a week or two. Oh, okay. great. Yeah, Perfect. really soon. And, um, but I would watch the show, and of course, you know, you do what you do. I read the script, so I know what's going on, but after it's, you know, I'm not in it, I sort of let it go because I'm not there on the set. I don't watch it happen. And I oh, watch, yeah. And that's why then I watch the show, and I'm like, oh, what are we doing in the desert again? <laughs> oh, there's an awful lot of gunplay in this. You know what I mean? Like my part of the show, there's, there's like no violence. There's no, there's no. no guns. There's no drugs. No. So yeah. it's like it's two different shows yeah. for me. Yeah, it's, so you that's don't want to meet up with any of those guys. I see those tracks. I see Nacho and the Salamancas and, uh, and uh, Uncle Tio and all that. And then you have... Uh, 
the law firm and Jimmy and HHM. And so, and yeah, HHM. are they gonna come together? That's that's one interesting thing to keep watching. Like, how does that all? And here's the thing, you know, these writers are so so good, and I say that uh, just because they are, and what they don't do is write stuff just because we kind of want to see it. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. write they write where the story needs to go. Right, and uh, you know, case in point. Who doesn't want Mighty Michael McKean on your show every show for the entire run of a show? But it became apparent that not only where was his Emmy, but where was his nomination? Oh yeah, yeah. you know, Golden Globe. I mean, God, yeah. No, no. If 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 you're gonna say that those things matter at all, then I also go like, how can you overlook that? Yeah, (laughs) and that tells me like, oh, then then not enough people were watching it because I don't see how you watch even an episode of that without recognizing uh, what he did in that. And I think the writers also quickly uh, gleaned to that, that McKean and, and, and Odenkirk had a special thing going on, and all of a sudden that whole storyline took off. Mm-hmm. But eventually, eventually that storyline was done. Mm-hmm. And, and as painful as it is, and it was, you know, he, he left. And I remember going back for season four, the first episode, and you know, we're standing out in front of Chuck's house, and it's, you know, it's burnt and everything. And yeah. in and, and, and season three, most of my stuff is with Michael McKean. Yeah. And going into those scenes, I always felt like, oh, well, the scene's going to be fine because Michael McKean's in it. You know what I mean? That's what right. I always felt. And it wasn't really until we got to work that first day on episode four, and it's it's Kim and, and Jimmy and me, and we're standing outside of the house, and I was like, oh, we lost our drummer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it really yeah. sunk in, and it made me scared. Well, I feel you know? like your character is even changing because of that loss. And I love when Kim went toe-to-toe with you and told you what for. Oh, yeah. Oh. That had been coming for a long time. But there, there's, an example, of, that was there's great. an example of Better Call Saul versus Breaking Bad in terms of the payoff for Kim giving me what for was a long time coming. Yeah. And fans have been looking for that, and they've been that had been brewing and gestating. It wasn't a quick turn. And so when it came, mm-hmm. it was really it was so well-earned and, and really devastating you know, for me. Also, because I love I love Ray Seahorn. I can't say enough about what a great actress she is and how much how lucky I am to work with her as well. Um, but she's a really great pal, and uh, and I've really become good friends with her as well. And so it's weird to have the the Howard Kim dynamic, yeah, and to go to work, you know, because uh, we're such good friends. <laughs> yeah. And then we get in there, and of course we're, we're adversarial, yeah. in, in a lot of the stuff, you know, uh, in the, in the trial scene and in season three, uh, you know, where McKean gets up on all that stuff. She grills me. It didn't dawn on me literally until the, she stood up. She stood up from the prosecutor's table in that scene. And I swear to God, the hair on my neck got up. I was like, how dare you? <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's some good writing. Thanks, uh-huh. guys. You, you've been working on me. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this to bring it all full circle. So now you are that guy yeah. who's on that TV show. So now when you go to Abbott Kinney and you audition, do you feel different at all or do you still have to earn that next role from the beginning again or do you feel like you at least are on second base I'm definitely on second base uh, I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna you know being on the show has opened you know what it's done it's opened doors that were closed to me before mm-hmm. um, but in the end I, I still got I still, still gotta find to. parking and I gotta show up and I have to audition yeah and that's if you want the job uh, in my mind there's a whole discussion of like maybe you should say offer only or oh. this or that, but I, I you know what yeah. I, I think that's also sort of changed as well. There's so much more work to be had out there, but yep. there's also so you know people in Iowa are auditioning with their iPhones, and you're in competition right. no longer with the people who trekked out to L.A. You're in competition with the world. So I always think my chances are better if I go in. 
Right. Uh, and that's even going in as just a casting director or sometimes the casting assistant and an iPhone turned sideways on a tripod. That's that's that the reality. That blows my mind. Well, I don't know if you guys know that, but you go to an audition, it used to be a big camera, and now you go in and it's just an iPhone. And I'm like, well, I could have done this at home. Well, and you you need to learn how to do that, yeah. too, by the way. It's like, I, I, uh, come on. Uh, Carrie Coon was talking about self-taping. Uh, wow. uh, Margot Martindale was talking about self-taping. Yeah. And how you have to, it, you know, there was a time where all of a sudden you went from black and white headshots to yep. color headshots. <laughs> yes. And, it's the and, same thing. And people are like, I don't want to do that. Yep. Well, you don't have to do that again. But the job requirements today are if you want to be an actor, you better learn how to light yourself, mic yourself, and tape yourself. Figure mm -hmm. that out. No one's going to do it for you. And, we do uh, that right here. We're here we well, built exactly. a room. Right. You, you, you want to have a show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Have yeah. a show. Yeah. We do our auditions. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and by the way, this was just one guy's opinion on it. You know, uh, In the end, I think my chances are better if I go in because I might get a piece of information from yes. either the assistant or mm -hmm. the casting director or from even another friend who's auditioning with me who are like, oh, yeah, yeah, they don't want it like this or something like that. And that sort of live information can't be beat. I also like the idea of going somewhere to audition. And that's just the muscle that I have built. Oh, I'm auditioning at 2 o'clock? Great. Around 10 o'clock, I get my game face on. And right. I know what I'm doing because there's, there's things that I do in order to stack the deck in my favor. Getting there early, you know, traffic, green juice, not having a lot of food, mm -hmm. making sure I'm memorized, you know, right. the basics. Um, but I've gone into rooms now on the strength of I'm on Better Call Saul. And that is and with... And that opens that opportunity. Yeah, so you yeah. still have to show up and kill it, but at least now they're thinking of you in... I think of it like high school. There's a seniors, juniors, and maybe before you were a sophomore, freshman, but at least now you're getting the opportunities that the seniors or at least the juniors have. Yeah, a, a, yes. No, no, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? No, absolutely. But, but, but also I believe that there's a, there's a window where that occurs. Right. And also, so yeah. they're like, oh, I love you on Saul. And then you come in and you lay an egg, which is all you're always capable of doing. <laughs> yeah. And guess what? You know, maybe that window closes again. They're like, oh, mm. he's really good in that role, but. Mm. <laughs> and, 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 you know, people keep talking about, you know, I get questions like, well, what do you want to do next? And I'm like, well, uh, first of all, I don't ever want to stop doing this show. Exactly. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and the fear of as soon as you get a job, you're like, the job's going to be over. Mm -hmm. and that, that still runs through all of us. Yeah. And um, so the idea is like you want to build on it, but I'm not exactly sure how you build on I'm it any, any more than what you've been doing, which is trying to cultivate friends and cultivate what's going on and getting <laughs> and your ear to the ground. And playing beach volleyball. Playing beach volleyball, yeah. Though yeah, I yeah. do want to say that I'm looking back again at the dog with a blog uh, epic uh, story. But um, here's the thing that's so cool. So you didn't get dog with a blog three episode arc, but then you got this. Yeah. Which is so much better. But had you not maybe felt like you did, you had to do better next time from Dog with a Blog, you may not have gotten your I, I, I think ducks in a row for this. If I hadn't put my acting suit on to say, what's this opportunity about? Yeah. Then maybe when three pages of a show, I would have dismissed saying, well, they're going to give it to anybody anyways. I'm yeah, just going to stay home. And then, yeah. And they didn't give anything to anybody. Michael McKean's the only name. No, really? sure. and then, no, no, obviously people so who came back from bring bad. No, so yeah. the Absolutely. thing you didn't think yourself out of that, yeah. I, like, well, I have no shot because well, they're going to get, you know, people were I'm, my own, worst en I'm my own worst enemy all the time. Right, right? of I'm course. Already, of all, course. I'm already talking myself out of the job. I'm, yeah. always, I'm always showing why I shouldn't go and right. what I shouldn't do and uh, blah, do blah, blah, we, blah. Do you think we do that so that we don't feel bad when we don't get it? Yeah, but I think it's... it's but it's it, going to shoot you in the foot. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a self-sabotage. Like, totally I am is. still... When they, you know, they used to say, Olivier still threw up before he went on stage. And you go, no, he didn't. I'm like, of course he of did. Of course he I did. I get it because... Even if yeah. you're playing at, a, at like a super A level, don't you think well, those guys are like, 
Oh wait, they get, they gave it to him. Yeah, but but Olivier also has it. like I'm backstage yeah. going, I hope I do good, and Olivier has to go, I hope I do as well as Olivier does. <laughs> 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 I mean, that's I would vomit. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we so. still have something, yeah, to aspire to. Uh, uh, yeah. What's the craziest internet uh, stuff out there you hear about Better Call Saul? Because I mean, every every Q and A I go to, they're how what. How do you think you're going to die? Because you're not in Breaking Bad. Oh, I get you that know? a bunch. As if like everybody died. Like a nuclear bomb went off and only uh, Jimmy, and, <laughs> Jimmy and uh, Jonathan Banks lived. Well, you know, they, uh, they they really hammer Kim with it, which is, you yeah. know. And, and, and like I said, it, it preys on your brain because you're like, right, we're, we're not in Breaking Bad. But, you know, these writers are very creative. There's lots of possibilities where none of that happens. And, you know, I have no inkling of where it's going, how it's going uh, for our characters. Um, but I have infinite faith in these writers to have whatever denouement is. And by the way, absolutely, l- like life happens, uh, maybe just the storylines just fade away from HHM, and, right. and we don't see Howard much anymore. There's no reason that he has to be, you know, tortured to death. <laughs> Although I will say, <laughs> I uh, do maybe I don't, see that. maybe I don't want to see do. Jonathan Banks, but I would kind of love to like have a suit off with uh, with uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we love him. I think that would be great if there was just a moment where somehow him oh. and I are together and we compliment each other on our suits. Wouldn't that be amazing? It's so great to yeah. go back and watch, do the right thing, and go. That's- that's him. How about so, that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bugging out. Yeah. Wow. So you know, um, uh, I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to that. And uh, but it's, may- it's crazy. Everyone thinks you're sure. going to die. No, the internet. <laughs> and, and, and the sure really, you're going to die. And, the, and now that we're into season five, uh, people are really like, "Oh, what's going to happen to Kim Howard?" And you're, you know, and I keep, I try, I keep pitching that maybe. You know, maybe Kim and I, like, uh, we go to the Caribbean and we start a pro bono law service. And, you know, know, the Travel Channel picks us up. And, uh, you know, it's just about suntan lotion and bikinis and and board shorts. And then we show up. And by the way, you know, who knows what happens? Yeah, I mean, I I know it's all in good hands. Do you even improvise on the set? Is there a Renee? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's like getting a Coen Brothers script, right? You don't even touch it. But that's so kind of awesome, too, though, to know that you don't even have to worry about doing anything other than what's written. No, those writers spend... That's amazing. There's like 10 writers and they spend time figuring out whether it's a period or a comma, right? <laughs> so I mean, that's what writers do. So that's you are memorized writers. down to the... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you... And we get, we'll get get the script and, and at that point, what's great about it though is if you have... Uh, if you have questions or you have logic or you have... Uh, because now you feel like you own your character a little oh, bit. Oh, interesting, so yes. You, so you want to say like, hey, um, mm-hmm. can I can I pitch this? Or can we talk about this this scene and can we talk about this sentence? I was wondering why I'm saying it like this. I was thinking maybe something like this. Um, but first of all, I almost never do that because I'm not a writer and I respect okay. the writing and I respect that writers put hours and hours into what's going on. And my job, the way I look at it, uh, is as an actor, they've given me a template. They've given me the keys. And the keys are Howard is not, he's not, putting a comma here because he's putting a period because his thought is finished. Right. Now, why is it finished? My job as an actor is to figure out why his job is finished, not making it easier for myself. And if it's a comma, not to make it a period. Right. Howard's thought is not finished. Why why doesn't he stop right there? Oh, he continues on. Is it because he can't help himself? Is it because he has a point to make? Because he thinks he wasn't heard? And that no, right. I like that stuff. That's that's meaty. So my, yeah. I, my so if I get a script and I look at something and I have a question, the first thing I do is uh, is take a, a, my cues from Ray Seahorn, who then, you know, you dive into it and mm-hmm. you do your script analysis. You do your work. You stack the right. deck in your favor. You go like, well, what about this, this, and this? Can I do it like this? I can and can and can't. And then, uh, you know, you can write an email or call them 
and you talk to the writer and, and the head writer, Peter or Vince, and you loop everybody in. You say, here's, my, here's the things I'm thinking about. And then they they love they're writers you know they love to have a full throated discussion about this or that and oh that's helpful and, or they'll be like oh well this is this is what we're illuminating or this is where we think things are at and you go oh oh I didn't because oh, then you can get inside their head and now you're right. like oh I'm I like, see oh, now okay. I see oh now you see I'm just yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, just an like, idiot actor and I didn't figure it out <laughs> oh you wrote it in English for yeah, me and well, I still couldn't figure it out I would out. always <laughs> think that too that like yeah. I'm just missing something it's so like can a, you please yeah. explain it to me so you got to do scansion on these scripts they're so well read well it kind of like yeah. Kind of. There's a great rhythm to it. And, uh, you know, and like anything, uh, no matter what show you're working on, you know, the time to have that discussion is not when you're on set yeah. ready to shoot, I think. Right. I think that becomes a time waster and, and it puts people in a bad position. So, you know, I think almost any show that you work on, you can have a, an opinion as long as you, like, get it out there in the proper way, in the proper time, in the proper channels. Because, I mean, things are built like that to work. But with these guys, you know, I feel like, you know... Say the words as written, wear right. that suit as designed, and don't bump into the furniture. And, you know, I'm, I'm, and you should yeah. be good, yeah. I, I've been don't good so far. Mic. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's great. Well, you've been on like a thousand oh shows. I, could, yeah. um, I mean, uh, let me pick like three and give you one question each about them. Sure. La- the Last Exorcism. Actually, this isn't a, a question, but um, you were the lead in that. Yeah. So did you think, oh, my Brad Pitt moment. Oh. <laughs> the Last Exorcism, by the way, if, if you don't know, was like the first movie to come along. Like now it's a big thing to have everybody's body contorting in these exorcism movies. Right. That was the first one that did it. Yeah, Ashley Bell. And by the way, that's her doing it. It was a low-budget film. That's, no way. No, wow. Like the full back contortion? Oh, yeah, no, the back oh, contor- wow. the back contortion and the stuff like that. Yeah, that was hers. And that was a discovered. Gymnast? We were shooting. And one day she, was, she goes, I can do this, by the way. And she showed it to the director. They were like... <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Don't oh my don't God. do that if it's going to hurt you. Let's get a camera up on that. <laughs> Ashley Bell was so so great. I mean, there's no acting in that film for me because I just walked in and saw her bent over like that, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I, I, I yeah. What do I need to contribute to people being creeped out? Yeah, we have this. Oh, yeah, amazing. no, it was it was really fun. Daniel Stamm directed it. Eli Roth was executive producer on it. So it was Mark Abrams. It was a, a very low budgeted film we shot in New Orleans in like 21 days and. Talk about the doors opening, the hallways opening. At the moment, there was no horror movie out in that summer, and all of a sudden, we got uh, a wide release. Lionsgate picked it up, and all of a sudden, we we're opening in twenty six, you know, hundred theaters, and we were number one for the weekend in the box office, and it made about seventy million dollars worldwide. I got to fly to London and go to the Odeon in a house of six eight hundred and again, eleven year old Patrick would have been like, "This is are amazing. you kidding me?" Yeah, uh, but I had no illusions about that being my Brad Pitt moment. Uh, all right. <laughs> it was a horror film. It was a really well done one, and I was really psyched to be a part of it. There's no doubt about that. Um, wow. But yeah, but there is a thing of like you see you're like oh well I've done TV for all these times yes. and now I'm in the movies now I guess. you've switched into movies right um. but the business shrugs yeah and goes hey the horror movie made some money good for you who's the girl with the back bend <laughs> we like right? the back bend girl <laughs> yeah and she I, came back with this and, and then I went back <laughs> and right. I went and I went back to you know parking and finding finding stuff and but uh. I'm not complaining about it it's what I signed up for but it's the job it's a thing that we we have to remember that's what. Acting is. Yeah, you know, Franklin Jella yeah. won a, um, a Tony one time, and uh, Franklin Jella, who I don't think I'm speaking out of school, is, is not known for his humbleness necessarily. <laughs> and by the way, can back it up with the work he's got. Mm-hmm. But he won a Tony, and he got up on stage, and he seemed genuinely surprised. And he said, I, I just want to thank you very much for this. This is, very, this is a, a big surprise. And he goes, and as you all know, the spotlight constantly moves. And we can try to run as fast as we can to keep up with it, but we never can. And so on this moment, on this night, 
as the spotlight is on me, I just want to say thank you. And I was like, whoa. It's true. <laughs> but it was a great image of like, oh, uh, you know, thing, things are good right now and everything's really great. Hey, you're in a movie, you're in a horror movie, it's great, it made money, and now I, oh, 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 oh. oh. Running yeah. the spotlight. Now it's pilot season, time to go out, right? <laughs> time to go out again. Yeah, and what? so I don't know if there's really, I'm sure there's like literally like life-changing, like in the, well, yeah, you know, the Fast and the Furious. They made that film, they weren't sure what was gonna go on, and mm -hmm. then they all basically bought houses. Yeah. And became giant movie stars, and, and that's a that's a life changer. Uh, I haven't had necessarily that, you know, Shazam. Mm -hmm. I've had great jobs that I thought were going to do stuff, and then uh, you know they didn't necessarily happen. Or I've been on shows where the other person becomes something, right. you know? and that happens all the time, yeah. right? Or you audition for the thing that you're like, oh. Who's going to watch a sitcom that's just called Friends? That's so, uh, right? <laughs> you did not audition for that. Well, we all did. Did you really? Well, sure I did. I <laughs> that's for, amazing. I auditioned for that, and I, <laughs> I didn't get that. And I'm like, well, that's just a sitcom. And then oh. I auditioned for ER. I didn't get that. And I'm oh. like, well, it's just a doctor show, right? <laughs> and a hundred of those. Right. Like Chicago Hope and all these other ones. <laughs> oh, right. But, but I wasn't alone. Like all my friends, we also auditioned for it. Oh, but awesome. the right guys got the jobs, yeah. right? I mean, the right actors got the jobs. It's the only way I can think of it. Otherwise, you will go insane. Because you go like, oh, okay, make me um, put me in there instead of Chandler does does it work or does the whole thing collapse or on, on tape night they go eh, eh. instead they found the right mix that that magic that that puff so I don't think you can begrudge other people's success because I think that'll eat you up and kill you absolutely and it's something I fight all the time and have fought all the time uh, in the end uh, especially now there's so many ways that you can take more control of your career not ask for permission you've got these phones you've got mm -hmm. lenses on them you can make a small you can make a small movie mm -hmm. and you'll eventually be able to strip I don't know what's going to come up as things start breaking down and I don't know what network is going to be anymore isn't that interesting so, yeah. so eventually maybe <clears throat> maybe the, the lack of permission from someone to tell you you can do what you want to do is you can just go ahead and do what you want to do and you'll eventually find a stream where you can find 40,000 people on the earth who like what you do and are going to subscribe to it for $10 a month. And can you live off of $400,000 a month? I think you'd be fine, yeah. <laughs> By the That's, way, I'm not sure if that is the right math. I don't know the math. <laughs> I don't know the math. Uh, but you're absolutely right. They, Sounded good to me. I would have signed up. You signed me up, man. It's not just the people that can get that channel when it's broadcast anymore. It's, it's all over the world. It's all over so the world. So you can reach an audience somewhere in Zimbabwe that loves what you do. Right. And if you can find that and cultivate, now granted, right. guess what that is? That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm lazy, and I still want somebody to be like, "Here's 26 episodes on yeah. the air in a parking lot, and you know, and you show space. up park here." Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I was joking. Somebody was like, "You know, what do you want to do after Saul?" And I was yeah. like, "Well, I mean, I, I'm working with these great writers, great wardrobe. It's really fantastic, and I think." Um, I think I want to do whatever Dick Wolf wants to do uh, next. And if that means moving to Chicago and rooting for the Bears, I'm all for whatever it. Whatever right? it is. <laughs> Which then people are like, they, they, they get ab like, uh, they're ab abhorred. They're like, what? Don't, what about your art? I'm like, I don't know, uh, 22 on the air sounds like art, art to me. Yeah, <laughs> so you know. did art for all those years. I got two kids going to college, yeah. okay? Uh, so, <laughs> did, you have a Leonard, did you have a Leonard moment in your career where you said, I got to get this job to uh, get, you know, Get some money coming in. You the know, lean time. Uh, what is your lean times job that you're like? Oh, yeah, because there's some I, people I that are that. acting coaches, or some people have acting classes. Yeah, and... but there's some people who, uh, you know, you know, I uh, deliver pizza. Uh, That's true. I did not Which deliver is pizza. Noble, but yeah. I mean, if if you're, you know, 
We all have those we jobs. We all have Come those on. jobs. All right. yeah. you know, I, I, I worked at a CVS. I waited tables when I first got out of college, and I, I did all that. And uh, after I got my equity card doing Shakespeare Festival here in Los Angeles, and oh, I got great. my sh- uh, shampoo commercial, gave me my equity card, I mean my SAG card. Um, That's awesome, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's Head and great. Shoulders with Peter Spears. We shot it at Union Station downtown in Los Angeles. Well, when I think shampoo, right? I think Union Station. Be looking for that online. Yes. Later, oh my god, <laughs> brilliant! But then when I finally uh, booked my first uh, gig, and then I got a pilot, um, I quit my job uh, because um, oh, I, 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 what's his name? He ran NBC during the glory years of Friends. Oh, uh, uh, Tinker? No. No. Uh, Brandon Zucker. Z- Tartikoff? No, 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 no. Afterwards. No, we're oh. all going deep, deep Littlefield? Diving. Yes. Oh, there you uh, go. Warren Littlefield. Warren Littlefield. Um, I had done a pilot. I, I did a pilot with Kathy Kinney and uh, Judge Reinhold. It was a half hour, and I'd, I'd booked it, and I, 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 it was all that new stuff of like, oh, I got a dressing room. They sent flowers. Oh. I got a paycheck, and it was tape night, oh. and everyone's laughing, and they're all loving it. And uh, and Warren Littlefield and he, he he does. I got a chance to say this to him. I said, you know, I quit my job because of you. And he's like, well, why is that? And I'm like, well, you gave me my first pilot. And uh, and I said, and we were on the floor that night, and uh, there was everyone's laughing and everything. Like, and, and and he said to me, he goes, oh, you can go buy a house. I love this show. It's going to run for years. Well, he's the president of the network. I figured. What, what? So I quit my waiting tables job the next day. Oh my god. And I'm like, great, I'm out of here. And they're like, you can't stop. You can't. You can't quit. You have closing on Monday, and I was like, "No, I'm done." So I, I stopped waiting tables, and um, and then I waited for the pickup oh, sure. of the yeah, show that's going to run for he five years. Knows, and of course, um, like a week and a half goes by, and I'm now I'm starting to sweat bullets. I'm like, oh. "What's going on?" And uh, I finally call my agent, and and they're just like, "Oh, she's like, oh, honey, that that didn't get picked up. That, that almost they never do. That's all right. We have an audition for you for a guest star, and blah 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 blah. Can you make it to Paramount oh. tomorrow?" And I was like, "What?" I- she never called you to tell you that that didn't. Well, you know, I was, you know, I, I was. Yeah. We, they had to wait and wait and wait, and then, uh, and it was that whole idea of I was, I wasn't sure what to do. And my friend said, "I guess you have to get another acting job." And that thought had not occurred to me. The right. thought hadn't occurred to me that it wasn't you get a job; it's you have to keep getting a job yeah, again, again, and and again. again and again and again and again and again. And that goes for people who get on series and run them for eight years. Right. When that series is over, they're looking for a job, and they have their own sort of special circumstances of like why they feel it's stacked against them. Well, yeah, now they might have too much notoriety in one place and you now you can't this. have them show you up. You could do that. Yeah, so, so you, oh. you, the, grand, the great gift of the business is you can find a bitch no matter where you yeah. are. Always something new to be against <laughs> you. You didn't buy the house though, right? I've heard about that guy too. No. You quit the job as you didn't buy no, the house no, prematurely. I, I, no, I didn't do that. And, uh, that has happened. Yeah. yeah. No, but I've, every, I've cobbled it together ever since, basically. That's good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Pushing Daisies, Life, The Medalist, Star Trek, Voyager, Boston Legal, Millennium. 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 Love that I show. love Millennium. Okay, Millennium, actor choice. So I played a guy who gets uh, fried by an E-meter. And uh, Charles Nelson Riley, God rest his peace, soul, is, is playing. Uh, um, he had an arc on that playing a detective. And so anyways, I get fried, uh, electric shock. I'm like this. I decide to, I'm going to be dead. So I get this really horrific frozen thing on my face oh no of course not realizing well now they're going to go in for Charles Nelson Riley's coverage he's yes. the guy who shows up to the scene of the crime I'm a dead body 
I have now established that I've got this frozen face <laughs> and they're putting glycerin for a single tear down me. And Charles Nelson Riley is walking around with this giant three-page monologue oh. that he cannot remember. No, of course no, not. No, no, he can't no, remember, no. 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 And he, not only does he not remember it, but he blows it by swearing like a sailor every time he screws it up. Oh. So he'll be coming around and doing it and he's doing it. No, no, no. He goes, oh, fuck shit. And so they have to start at the beginning. It takes forever. And you're making this crazy face the whole time. Uh, I was like, my, I, I didn't need a masseuse to get my cheek to come oh back down. Oh, my God. So much fun. He was such a good man. He was That's such funny. a great man on set because I was, I was a young actor, you know, so green. And he saw that. And he immediately was like, do you know this play? Have you seen this movie? Every young actor should watch this movie. You should oh, study great. this. He was like, every day, he was like, you, you should read this, this, and this. He was I was thinking about you last night. You young people don't know enough. You should see Montgomery Clift. You should watch A Place in the Sun. You should watch this. You should watch that. And I was like, oh. So I got my education, like, sort of starting off with there, you know? We like Lance Hendrickson. I love Lance Hendrickson. Oh, yeah. Jordan, go upstairs. That was my favorite part. He always always sent the kid He had the daughter. He always got the kid. You know something's going to go down. Jordan, go upstairs. What did you do on uh, Big Love? Big Love, I got to work with Bill Paxton. I played Gene Triplehorn's uh, brother. So I was his brother-in-law. Right. And uh, I cannot say enough about Bill Paxton as being uh, number one on the uh, on the call sheet. You know, they say the fish stinks from the head down, and there's no <laughs> doubt about that. And uh, Bill was so effervescent, so fun to work with, and came so prepared. First day of work, I show up with him. Um, I had my sides from the trailer, and I'd made a couple of, you know, notations, we'll call them. Uh, or we'll just say I circled my lines. <laughs> and I show up, and Bill has got... He has he has covered every inch of his script with something. He was he knew his character. He knew what the scenes were about, and if he had questions, he had copious notes about. Wow. And, you know, and I'd been working for a little while, and all of a sudden I was like, "Oh, you want to be number one on the call sheet? That's, That's- how you become number one on the call wow. sheet." And I really took it to heart. I was like, right, you do your work. Yeah. There's Bill doing his work. He's not just walking in and saying, "I'm Bill Paxton." Right. The reason he's Bill Paxton is because he does his work. The reason oh, Lady Gaga, right? And I love Bill. It was yeah, so, so much great. fun, so much fun to, to talk with and work with. And, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm so sorry he's gone. Yeah, I'm really I fortunate agree. I had a chance to work with him. Yeah. Uh, 62 or something? Yeah. That Too young. Sucked. Oh, yeah. Um, CSI, Will and Grace, Hot in Cleveland, Beverly Hills, 90210, Ugly Betty, Longmire, and much more. But I want to play a clip from Scorpion. Because uh, Scor- oh, sc- oh, on CBS. <laughs> Lo- oh, my gosh. I'm Captain Steubing with a gun. Show him. Well, this is uh, this, this is my friend Michael Filipowicz. Our friend played the is the bad guy, bad guy who took over the boat in this. Where you are the captain. Oh yeah, he's been in here. I've talked oh, to him. He's, he's great. A friend of mine yeah. from my acting class, and uh, I have to play this clip because it gives me such joy. All right, everyone, please do not panic. Everything is going to be absolutely fine. I'm And I had just started to hate uh, Howard uh, Hamlin, and I saw this clip, and I went, oh, oh you, you clocked Howard in the back of the head, oh, and he, he punched does. him in the gut, and you knocked him yeah, on the ground. he beat you. Right? Yeah, he beat me That's hard. great. Yeah, I didn't like that. <laughs> but I did get to dive into the ocean and come up from the water with a gun. That was fun. Oh, we didn't watch that part. Absolutely yeah. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Let's hear Howard get hit one more time. <laughs> I just enjoyed so, it. Do you go back and then get all the passengers safe again? You can come back to your ship and take it over? 
No, I was in on it, I think. Oh. <laughs> I think I was in on it. The, okay. the, they hit me. I think I think later on, I'm like, hey, you really hit me too hard. That sort of I thing. I saw a scene later. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I only okay. saw a couple scenes because we were working on Michael's reel, and he put that scene, and then the scene later where he's got some rocket launcher taken out of a helicopter yeah, or something. No, I'm like, yeah, geez, yeah, we went, he was no joke of a bad guy. No, he went crazy. He was really good. He was really good. <laughs> he's so awesome. Um, So let's ask you the question we ask everybody who uh, comes on the show. Yeah. What is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, oh, oh. Um, You know, I said The Man Who Would Be King because it was so seminal, and I always watch it every time I get a chance to. Um, I know it's not allowed. It's hard. You can say that. No, no, I I say that, but I I also say, you know, and it's... Most everyone says, I can't answer that. No, no, no. You know, I think of what what hit me. uh, Alien hit me. Mm. Uh, oh, as a horror right. film on the big screen, I was I was mesmerized by its beauty and everything else. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, I will never turn away from, no matter where it's in. I think uh, everybody in there, even is during firing. raindrops, uh, keep falling on my head. I don't mind that. <laughs> I don't. I don't even mind that. How about that? That's how good it is. We've had somebody else say. I can't remember who it was. They had. Cassidy. Oh, it's yeah. funny. Um, yeah. Hannah and her sisters was always my go-to, and it's that whole revisionist thing of, uh, you know, can you like people's art with what's yeah. gone on? And that's a whole different discussion. But Michael Caine and Barbara Hershey are magnificent in that film. And actually, Max von Sydow, Max von Sydow, Barbara Hershey comes in, and <laughs> Barbara Hershey comes in, and uh, it's when he discovers that she's been kissing uh, Michael Caine. And uh, she comes in, and he's like, where have you been? And she's like, oh, I, I was out. I, I, I was, she's lying because she had an assignation and everything. And, and he goes, I've been watching television all day. I haven't watched TV in a long time. Everybody wants money for Jesus. If Jesus came back right now and found all the money being made in his name, he'd never stop throwing up. <laughs> and I thought that was the best line I'd ever heard. And uh, it's great. And then he discovers that she's been kissing somebody and he's wounded. And, and I remember watching him and Michael Caine, because they seemed so old compared to me. And they were so vulnerable and open about their emotions. And uh, and it really stuck with me. Obviously, I saw at a point where all of a sudden all that made sense, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I love that. I a remember lot. a specific uh, Siskel and Ebert show, uh, which I never missed growing up. Sure. Where they dissected how good Kane was in the movie. There's this one scene that's over his shoulder of Barbara Hershey and he's pleading with her and having this huge, the camera's never on her, or, uh, never on him and he's fascinating just from behind because you get what he's, you, you can see the, the intention in his in his lines and he has, his whole body is feeling what he's feeling and I can't remember if he was, you know, begging Wanting love from her, or if he was, he's trying to convince her to stay with him, and she's like, yep. "No, I can't. I can't do this." Okay, I can't you remember do this that anymore. shot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a long time, but yeah, and then you know he can do that with his back to the to the camera. He's still good, right? Very beginning of the film, it says uh, the, the cue card comes up and it says, "God, she's beautiful." And then the Harry James Orchestra goes, "Wow!" And Michael Caine's voiceover comes in and goes, "God, she's beautiful." I remember that so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to put that as your number one, even though I loved Alien too, And I saw Alien for the first time at home on TV with commercials. And I still wow. was in the parent. I was still still in the parents' bed that night going, I don't know what I just saw, but it freaked me out. You know? now, that's how good that movie is, even wow. with commercials. Wow. Uh, it was something. Uh, so, uh, well, Howard, that'll just have to be your cross to bear. Oh, my God. So <laughs> devastating. So devastating. That wraps another TMG nice. interview. 
Uh, follow us on Twitter at The Movie Guys, Facebook.com slash The Movie Guys, YouTube, iTunes, Instagram, all that nonsense for daily jokes, uh, articles, media, links, and more. Thanks to Patrick Fabian. Yay! Yay! And D- see Driver X. DRVRX.com. So it's Driver to take the I and the I out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you follow us on DriverX Movie on Twitter, DriverX Movie on Instagram, and you catch it on platforms uh, right now on iTunes, Google Play, all those places. Eventually, you will find it on Hulu. There you go. And as ever, you can find everything we're up to, including reviews, articles, and more interviews like this at themovieguys.net. Thanks, Patrick. Whee! Whee!